Hello, everybody. My name is Jill Renee Feeler, and welcome to today's podcast. We did this in a monologue sort of format where I'm sharing with you information that I wish the world knew today. And I'm doing that from a connection to what I know of as my eternal self. And I know some of you that are newer here or newer to concepts of enlightenment and consciousness that are sort of further beyond the norm may not know what we mean by that. But basically, it's those amazing ideas uh, that you have or um, thoughts that you have or words that come to you that you realize how special and how profound they actually are. And it's nothing that you've read before. It's like the answers are coming to you from within you. Um, I have uh, realized I have great access <laughs> to that whole vibration of, of information and wisdom and love and caring. And I feel like it's my uh, compulsion and maybe responsibility to share what I'm receiving with the world and you can do with it whatever you choose. <laughs> but it's obviously meant to inspire, to inform, and to try to make sense out of what is a really, really confusing reality. Earth is a really confusing place. And there's a lot of jacked up incorrect theories about some of the key existential questions that I have very different information about. Um, so I love to offer our take on things so that you can feel more informed and more prepared, uh, more grounded in the light of source creator God that you are in your humanness not waiting to have to die before you get answers. How cool is that, <laughs> right? Okay, very good. All right, let's have a little connection exercise here. I encourage you to relax your body and we'll just do a, sort of a mini meditation here. Nice, deep, slow breaths with me, please. Nice job. Now with this next inhale, I'm going to encourage you to visualize that there is a source of light within you. It's right below your heart chakra. It is a beautiful blue. Um, to me, it looks like a, um, like a purpley sort of blue, but you can pick whatever color you want. Just the most important thing that it's already inside of you, that it's a source of light and illumination that is already within your energy field. Okay, nice deep breath. I have a cough. I'm about to cough here. <coughs> yeah, it sounds bad, doesn't it? I'm okay. Okay, and with this next breath, let's imagine that that light within you is getting bigger and stronger. And now allow that light to make you feel warm inside, warm and alive. Alive in ways that in your humanness, it's uh, sort of difficult to feel uh, special and difficult to feel relevant and meaningful and wise. Sorry, I've got major animal love going on here. My gray cat Smokey is here. I may have to put him outside of the room because <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second. It's okay, Moki. And then I've got Samson here too. It's okay, babe. Nice deep breath. Okay. And then right here, wiggle your fingers and wiggle your toes. I am going to put Smokey outside the room. Just real life at the Feeler household continues. The reason that Smokey can't go outside is because the um, baby ducklings are just sort of coming online into this world. 
Um, so we have mallard ducklings and wood duck ducklings, and they're absolutely beautiful and so precious. And the gray cat Smokey that we have is indoor and outdoor maxes too, but Smokey is a hunter, like a major hunter. And I don't like him to kill anything. He doesn't need to kill anything. He's got food that we give him, um, but there's something especially wrong about him getting a duckling or baby quail, which he's gotten before too. So he is, uh, his time outside is limited uh, to certain hours of the day. And then when I do let him out, I check, we have a stream that goes through our property and that's where the mama duck goes with her babies. Um, anyway, so I've got, I go out there sometimes with a pan <laughs> and like a metal spoon and I bang it to, to let her know. Um, he's coming out, so. Anyway, it definitely gets her attention and she she beelines for out of the off the property. Not that Smokey can't go off the property. Anyway, I'm doing what I can, right? Alrighty, so what are we gonna talk about today? We're not operating from notes and I have a a bit of nervous energy about what we're gonna whatever we are gonna talk about today. Um I don't prepare as human Jill, so I'm going I'm basically it's like going to a faucet within myself of what we wish the world knew today. So it's pretty cool how this works. I do have to clear my throat though. My cough is seriously about to go off here. Hang on. Okay. All right, <laughs> we're back. Sorry about the cough. Yeah, I'm okay. It just sounds absolutely terrible. All right, so let's see what we're going to do today. And just it'll feel quiet for a moment while I go within myself. Okay. Hmm. That's interesting. Okay. Um, we want to talk today about answers and what we mean by answers um, related to anything really in, um, in our reality. To us, when we look at answers, we look at them as possible solutions. Now we completely understand that as humans, there is an intense desire to have the answer or to pretend as if there's one answer. But in a way, we look at all of you like scientists operating from different theories and with different hypotheses and different data. So that may free you up um, to live as the sovereign being that, that we know you as and that we treat you as, we as your eternal self energy. Um, that may also take the pressure off of those that provide answers in your reality, whether that be intuitives or physicians or attorneys, etc. that at a certain level of uh, maybe emotional maturity and intelligence and even consciousness, there's an awareness that even the pros, the doctors, the attorneys and other well-respected individuals, even, even uh, uh, religious, um, you know, priests, uh, ministers, uh, all of those types of folks. Hopefully at some level of, of emotional maturity, intelligence and consciousness, there's an awareness that everybody is really doing the best they can with what they know without sort of a fantasy version of, will they have the answer? They know exactly what the right thing is to do. 
um, and they're gonna they're gonna guide us through this life or guide us through this situation. They're gonna fix it for us, right? <sighs> for any of you that are sort of disappointed <laughs> in this idea that even the so-called experts don't have the answers, let's just let part of you be really confused or upset or mad about that. Like, dang it. Um, there can be a level within you, we see it within your second chakra, that is clamoring for guarantees and uh, specificity and uh, emphatic right and wrong answers that, that are undeniable, okay? Part of you wants to know that somebody knows what the heck is going on, even if you don't know what the heck is going on. But that's not true. That's not how Earth works. It's not how humanity works. There, everything is far more complicated than that part of you is giving credit, okay? So give that part of you a hug. Keep it close as we're having this conversation today. Because a whole new world opens up to you when you act as if nobody has the answers and everybody is doing the best they can with what they know, whether they are a highly trained professional or whether they are an, you know, a total hack and something just trying to make a buck, okay? Why is this important? Because there's so much chasing of answers in the pursuit of knowledge and in the desire for spiritual expansiveness and further enlightening oneself. There's a lot of pretending going on in all facets of human, the human race at this time, acting as if a certain group or a certain individual knows the answer, and it is not true. The amount of energy that is dedicated towards um, those groups or individuals that are um, thought to have the answers, the amount of money, that's put towards different projects and different cures and remedies um, and experiments to try to either find the answer or make the answer even more um, accessible to the rest of the world or others that would need that answer. There's a lot of wasted resources in your reality focused on pretending that someone or something has the answer. Let's just invite you just to sit with that for a moment. We feel some of you saying to yourself, but surely somebody knows. Surely somebody somewhere on the planet knows. They know something. And they may know something that's helpful to you or helpful to the human race at large. But what we see that they actually have is a really good theory that has not been proven, has not been tested, and is actually impossible to fully test, and that you won't know whether it works or not until you actually try it. There is a level of inherent risk in everything involved in the human race. So the, the, um, the search for feeling confident in your world is misplaced and we for we instead 
encourage you to feel the confidence that you will have your own back no matter what happens in your reality, whether you've been well advised or poorly advised, that you're the one who has it no matter which scenario you're in. Okay, ultimately, you are the one that you are with, no matter how things go. That's true while you're alive. That's also true in the afterlife um, corridors and energy planes. And it's also true at the eternal self level that is beyond time, beyond space, and at the level where there, there was never not a you, where it is you in all spaces and all times and where there is no space and where there is no time. Okay. So then what do you do? What do you do with the recognition that everyone is only doing the best they can with what they know? You prepare more for possible scenarios. You, you trust yourself a little more. You, maybe are more health, healthfully skeptical about others and about the answers that others are, are claiming to have for you or for everyone, anyone. It puts you in a truer space of your energy field within yourself so that you can be more aware in general. And what we notice that this is likely to do is actually help you tap further into the source energy that you are from the inside out because the confidence is better placed in that expanded response system that is beyond your five human senses okay the gut instincts that you have that we encourage you to have in your reality when you sense something is off when even though somebody may seem like they have all the right training all the right experience all the words sound right you just get a feeling about them that there's some version of inauthenticity, uh, capacity to lie to themselves. Maybe there's a whole bunch of scenarios for why you'd be suspicious about someone, about what someone is saying or what someone is and what they're offering you or what they're offering the world. It's good to be suspicious. That doesn't mean you're fear-based in a low vibe way. It means you're suspicious and aware in a very, very high vibe, expanded energy field sort of way. Okay. The other huge benefit to this is that you can stop trying to figure out who's right and who's wrong. Because in many ways in your reality, there are shades of being off in all of it. And the more credit you give to the, the likelihood and probability of people having things mostly wrong or even just a little bit wrong, again, it allows you to be more honest with yourself. And we love it when you're honest with yourself. We love it when you treat yourselves as the adults that you are. Okay, nice deep breath here, please. So particularly those of you that are in spiritual communities and experience channeled messages and things like that, there is a lot of energy trying to figure out who is right and who is wrong and what is accurate and what isn't accurate. And all of it should be treated as shades of gray versus solidly black or solidly white, solidly 100% correct or 100% wrong. 
There are shades of accuracy in probably all of it. There are shades of being off in all of it. Okay. So some of you were tapping in feel relief that you don't have to try to figure out who's right and who's wrong. Some of you may be in a, a state of panic and anxiety that, oh my God, like no one knows what the fudge is going on. This is, this is highly upsetting. It may be upsetting, but what if it's upsetting for really good reasons? What if now you can actually process and get to the layer of yourself that was pretending otherwise? What if the state of calm that you had a few, maybe, what have we been talking here, 18 minutes? What if the part of you that felt calm 22 minutes ago was based on an illusion? How reliable, how sustainable is that? Not very, right? We are treating you as the master that you are. We are providing you the information and the wisdom and the support to be the eternal self energy that you are in a reality that is highly confusing, highly chaotic, incredibly unpredictable and has so many possible choices. There were always so many ways that you could be you at every single breath of your journey. There was a wide array of scenarios for what you could choose to respond to, um, how you respond to it, how you create your you in that moment for that experience. And that continues today with the breaths that you're taking right now. And it continues in the for in the future. You get to decide who and what you are in every moment of your life. That is the most powerful component of free will that you have as your living human self. But the choices can seem overwhelming. Why is that? Is that real? Are you really overwhelmed by those choices? Or is part of you actually excited about those choices? Is part of you actually freed up by the idea that there isn't a wrong answer and that there isn't a specific right answer that you need to find or identify? Right? That's from our perspective, where the majority of any anxiety came from is that there's one right answer and you may not be sure that you have it. Okay. So now the real, the real scenario as we look at it and we encourage you to look at it is okay. So there's not one right answer and I will do the best I can with what I know, which is what all humans are doing, whether they admit it to themselves or not. And in this moment, I will make the best choice based on what I know now, which is all I can do. And what if it's more than enough? And what if there's no, you know, image, there's no figure of God in the sky that is sort of hoping I get it right, or, or I'll be punished if I get it wrong. See what we're talking about? <laughs> nice deep breath again, please. Okay. Hmm. But what if it goes wrong? What if it does go wrong? You have history of things going so-called wrong before, and here you are, you lived through it, right? You made it this far with some things that you 
admit that maybe you, you did not so great or that you'd do better if you had the chance to do it over again. At the end of the day, you will be there for you. And there won't be a need to blame anyone else, especially when you acknowledge everyone is doing the best they can with what they know. The guarantees you are trying to put on a certain outcome are misplaced in your reality. They're causing more stress. They're causing more anxiety. And they're um, delaying um, a sense of well-being that you have access to in every moment with every breath. <sighs> okay. Hmm. So why aren't there right answers? <laughs> why, why is it that there's, that there's not a set way that, that everyone can know? And if, if you just had the right way, then everything would be fine. It's just not Earth. Earth. Earth isn't made that way. Humans aren't made that way. The way that human consciousness was designed by the divine original creator of source energy that you were a part of, the way the human structure was designed was built for multiple scenario analysis and multiple possibilities. Humanity is wired in a way to sort of fight for its choices. That's its natural state of, well, what about this? And maybe I want to try that. And I don't want to be told what to do. It's actually more natural that humans do not want to follow a script and want to create their own script as they go. That's the natural imprint of humanity. What has interfered with that is modern day society as you know it, that's trying to keep everyone safe, trying to, um, a safety, part of it is safety, part of it is control, right? Uh, part of it is the authority structures uh, benefit from a minimized set of choices and a managed uh, ecosystem and a managed environment where only certain things are allowed and only certain things are encouraged or only certain individuals have the authority to question anything, okay? If you don't believe us, think about your childhood or think about childhood in general. <sighs> Any of you that are school teachers <laughs> will also, especially early childhood development teachers, um, have a have a have a knowing here of oh yeah <laughs> right and many especially in a modern society where there is an expectation that you can put 30 kids uh, 30 young humans in a room and expect them to all sit and obey and listen there's a lot of control control structures that end up being taught and um, instituted and reinforced throughout that human's life to try to get them to not question, to try to get them to obey, to try to get them to follow the system that's been offered to them that they're encouraged or discouraged. They're discouraged from questioning it. Okay.
So some of you in your pursuit of enlightenment and deeper consciousness and having a better life have rather than there's so many ways we could approach this and we're modeling the multiple scenarios right here, aren't we? Many of you have fallen into the, the common trap of who is the expert in the field of helping you become a better you or become more connected or, you know, enlightening, you know, whatever. Who are the experts? Let me place my authority in them and then let me follow their system. Let me be a dedicated student to what they say. Let me uh, replicate their process so that I can get the results that they're getting in their life. If you like, if you like that, what they're getting as the ex expert that you're naming them as, right? And somewhere along the way, you probably handed over your authority, pretending that they knew better for you than you know for you, as if you had have no say in it, and as if you'll have a better life if you follow what they say for you to do. That may go well. And there are definitely going to be times where it does not go well. And if it doesn't go well, it doesn't mean that you're doing it wrong. It means that there's some sort of flaw in the system, or that your the future you you're trying to create is not suitable to their approach or their techniques. Where's the customization? You are one of a kind. They are not you and you are not them. You are your one. And any improvements that you want to make in your life are in your hands, no one else's. It matters not what they promise you. It matters not what the reviewers say or what the other experiencers have, have uh, what their results have been with that system or with that person. You have so much authority over your life. A much better way is to Take what you think resonates, try it out, see if it works, and if it doesn't, set it down. Let it go. Try something else. Try something else from an expert, uh, or but still be skeptical, right? Or try something out that you've never heard of before. What if you try this? What if you try that? Right? The authority that you place outside of yourself is across the board. Food, nutrition, health, medicine, education, career, family, relationships, hobbies, everything. And there's an expert for everything. And there's a, the reason that there's an expert for everything is because there are so many individuals that you don't want to, you don't want to become an expertise in everything. So experts are great. It's when you act as if they know everything that things start to go wrong. It's when you hand over your authority to someone else 
where things go wrong. We tend to like experts that respect the sovereignty of you. We tend to like the pros that are giving you the space that you deserve and that they want to foster within you that you are the authority over your life, whether you've been acting like it or not. We are extremely concerned and cautious about experts or professionals that are very, very quick and very, very pleased to tell you exactly what to do as if they know and as if they're pretending, right? That what they say will work specifically for you. The more emphatic they are that it works for everybody, the more you should be concerned. Okay? In general. We're going to, we have to play devil's advocate at some point because Joel's in the background going, but what are we doing then? It's <laughs> a great question. We'll get to that in a minute. Let's stare where, we're, where we are though for now, because some of you are experts in your field. Some of you do have amazing advice, whether that is from human based knowledge that you've learned from textbooks and research studies. Or those of you that are experts from a level of innate wisdom, there's stuff you just know. Or maybe it's a combination of both, earthly wisdom and innate wisdom. We love it that you have confidence and that you have very good reasons and good rationale and a good experience set, a good database for why you believe what you believe and that you are confident enough that you've put yourself in a place of authority uh, to offer advice to other people, right? To offer your wisdom to other people. That's great. Trust that. Do the best you can with what you know. Be as humble as you can to fine tune and refine things as you learn better, as a, a better answer comes along, as an even wiser approach comes along, as you in your experience as the expert that you are, you come across the corner cases of when it doesn't work, right? The outliers of, okay, it works for 99% of the people I'm working with, but there's this 1% it doesn't work for. Why doesn't it work for them? Can, can I adjust so that it, it covers a wider group? Um, is there something I wanna change? Is there a different protocol I would offer for that 1%? It's how you handle all of it that makes you reliable and trustworthy and authentic and of integrity as the expert that you are in your field of expertise. <sighs> Good. Because you too are doing the best you can with what you know. And what you know may be the very best there is on the planet. And it is good to be clear about that with yourself, that you, you see the flaws in other systems. You've seen the, the much better results that you get uh, with your clients or with your patients or with your work relative to how others, um, the results that others are getting. It's good to know that information. It's good to be honest with yourself about where you are um, being more successful and maybe where you're being less successful. 
It's good to be humble about what you're fantastic at while also, excuse me, it's great to be confident in knowing what you're fantastic at and having the humility to embrace what you're not fantastic at, what, what you may never be fantastic at. It all goes together. It's okay to say, this is the best we know right now. This is the advice I give you today based on a lot of great information I have to offer you. And I'm obviously wishing that it goes well for you. And if it doesn't, I trust you that, that you'll figure it out. Treat them as the authority in their life that they are as well. If they have you on a pedestal, at least interact with them as if they are also on a pedestal, a pedestal over their life and their journey and their choices and their free will. You can't control whether somebody puts you on a pedestal or not, but you can always control how you interact with those that are treating you as if you're on a pedestal and they're not. And it will change the energetic exchange dramatically. So how do you find an expert if you're the one needing one? There are so many variables. There's not one right answer (laughs) going in the spirit of this entire message. Let's share with you what what Jill does. Okay. She hires experts and pros and um, service providers all the time, whether it's on her house, hiring a house painter, she's got a house painting project coming up on the outside of her house. She uh, did research on uh, research sites like Yelp, uh, Facebook reviews, she did that kind of thing. Um, She asked around, she had three bids come out. And she was told them what needed to be done. And then she listened. And she observed. And she was keeping track um, as she asked for bids, who was able to respond in a timely manner that that met her expectations better. If somebody can't even respond for a bid, um, maybe they're too busy to do her painting job. Um, Those that did respond quickly, that that doesn't mean they got the job automatically either. Um, She looked at the actual bid as it came in. She interacted with them while they were at the at the house of the property looking around um, how they were treating her, whether they were uh, seemed respectful of themselves and respectful of her. Um, One left an oil stain from his pickup truck on her driveway that she wanted to get rid of. So she was out there scrubbing the driveway. So that was a no. It didn't mean he did anything wrong, but she didn't want oil stains <laughs> on her driveway. It can be silly little things <laughs> that, uh, that, <laughs> that matter to Jill. It's okay, <laughs> right? Um, so it can be a whole bunch of things, but you're, you're making a decision with, it's always incomplete information. That house hasn't been painted yet, so we don't know. Uh, we don't know either how, how this is going to go with the, the company that she hired. Um, but so far so good. And, and she's excited to have the house painted. Is the house painting the end of the world? If it goes wrong? No, she can probably fix something if, if they're bad or whatever. 
Um, but there is an integrity issue that she's looking for. House painting is not, not an insig insignificant amount of money. Um, there are some things that you're going to do more research on based on the, um, the risk of being wrong. Um, whether that's financial, medical, you know, whatever, the cost, the cost benefit analysis of being wrong will normally determine how much effort you put into um, researching whom you're going to work with, whom you're going to say yes to, right? But she'll never have all that complete information and she knows it. So she's not anxious about it. Jill likes to make decisions. So she does her research, she makes her decision, and then she moves on with it. And if there's new information that would make her change the decision, she tries to get out of the contract if she needs to, right? Okay, so has Jill ever worked with a teacher or a coach, like an option, a lot of teachers, like in college and things, you don't, you don't get to choose. Um, but she did have some professors, even in, in uh, undergraduate, where there were some professor, there were more than one professor that taught a class, and she asked around. Um, there was one class in particular that everyone warned her about the teacher, that she was extremely hard. Um, it was very hard to get a good grade in her class. Um, there was a lot of uh, negative reputation around that teacher. And for some reason, uh, for good reasons, it turned out Jill did not uh, listen to their advice and she took that class and it ended up being her very favorite professor. Was she hard, that professor? <laughs> oh yes, her expectations were very high. Jill respected her more than any other professor she ever had in either her undergrad or her graduate program. So sometimes reputation is uh, mischaracterized, right? So going with your gut, which is basically what she did, <laughs> okay? There have been, when Joe was starting out, um, there was a spiritual coach and she totally forgotten about her and then we, we offered her this memory just now. Um, there was a coach that she paid a good amount of money for, I think it was a couple thousand, uh, like about $2,000 USD for a six month um, like a mentorship and the other person was a so-called channeler um, she would the, the teacher would not teach Jill how to channel but it was a series of private sessions from somebody in the field and Jill's laughing that she totally forgot about this woman <laughs> yeah we're here to remind her right um, it was a lot of money at the time but it felt like a good investment because Jill knew she had abilities in what's called channeling, which is basically just uh, interdimensional communication. It's awareness and wisdom that, that some people have access to that's beyond their five human senses um, and beyond what, they've been, beyond what they've been taught or know. It's a, it's a different knowing system that is beyond this reality and beyond the human experience, okay? Anyway, so Jill handed over the money. Uh, this woman had been recommended. There was a mutual friend involved. And from the first session, it was pretty good. And then in the other sessions that, that were happening, I think every, it was every week for a while and every two weeks for a while, things started to go downhill fast. And it was clear that what, was, what Jill thought she was going to get out of it was not what was happening. There was a lack of professionalism on the part of the, the so-called teacher, uh, the spiritual teacher. 
there was aspects about that teacher's life that she was she was sharing a lot of personal information that was irrelevant to Jill, um, unnecessary, and didn't. It showed more information about how that person is in their personal life in terms of integrity, authenticity, um, self-love, even self-care, which is a form of self-love. Um, that. Jill just was kind of like, this is not somebody I would want to be friends with or hang out with. So it's sort of, there was another side of things that sort of revealed itself. Um, and then another friend that, that knew what Jill, who Jill was working with also decided to do it. Um, and she actually more quickly decided that she was, that she was kind of turned off and that it wasn't a match for her. And she mentioned it to Jill, like, why are you, like, I'm surprised you're working with her. I didn't, I didn't like this. I didn't like that. And I, and I asked for my money back. Um, and Jill was like, oh, oh yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. So then that friend's experience shed more light in a, in a, because Jill was more trusting um, in that phase of her being Jill and the other person uh, had more experience being skeptical. How about that? Um, so her friend that was sort of like, I'm surprised you're still working with that person, um, sort of let Jill see like, huh, am I, it, it sort of, sort of shown that teacher and from another person's perspective where Jill was able to say, oh my God, that's so true. It's, I wasn't, I wasn't wanting to say it cause it didn't seem nice, but that's very accurate. And maybe, maybe, maybe I should look more closely at all of this. By the way, the friend that asked to get her money back, she never got her money back. Um, and she had bought a package of sessions and had only used one. And there were all these excuses about how she couldn't get the money back. So there again is the sort of, there wasn't a policy in place, but just uh, you, it says something about someone, right? If you uh, buy a package of 10 sessions and you have one and it's not a fit for you, different, there's always a choice that the professional has and teacher in terms of whether they will say, you know what, let me give you your money back. I don't want to keep your money. If you, uh, if you're not liking what we're doing here, that didn't happen. So there was an, there's another maybe red flag about, about that teacher. Anyway, Jill, uh, ended up not finishing the program. She didn't pay in advance. So there was no need for a refund, but there was just a, a parting of the ways and they really have not spoken since. And that was, that was many moons ago. <laughs> um, it's funny that, yeah, interesting. I'm just popping in here as Jill. I know exactly why I forgot about it. Um, number one, I have a gift for forgetting things that don't work well for me. I just sort of let them go. Um, there, it, but it's so funny that, that I, I have that ability to be like, oh my God, that's right. I worked with that woman. Um, and it, it was, it wasn't a train wreck, but it was just really unnecessary. It was a waste of money. It wasn't a waste of time. I learned things from the experience, but it, but it wasn't for the, the reasons I was paying for. And I would never work with that woman again. And I wouldn't recommend her to anybody. Um, so I love it. That's really that in a very humbling way that my team brought up that, uh, that example, because number one, I had forgotten about it as Jill. And number two, I, 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 I love being able to share personal experiences where I as Jill, who know that I have expertise in things that, that you guys pay me for, 
um, that I've been in a situation like some of you find yourself in sometimes where you thought you had the right person, you trusted them for something. It's sort of a an unclear, uh, you know, objective results. It's not like buying a car and there's, you know, car reviews. It's, it's a very subjective. And I remember being working with some partnering closely with somebody on regular phone calls where I was like, oh, my, so I've been there. I get it. Right. And then there were times when when somebody over delivers. Right. And I love to over deliver. I mean, as a practitioner and those of you that are practitioners or professionals or experts in anything, it feels so good to know that that you're handling your skills and abilities with responsibility, with integrity, with honor and that you are you are doing the best you can with what you know and your best is damn good right and you you own it not in an overconfident way but in a confident way where you can speak to your abilities you can speak to the success stories that you have you're not needing to leave out data in that experience um you you know what you're doing works for the vast majority of the people that you work with okay um that's awesome and there are liars out there you guys there's and i feel like this group is so special um and i know that when i meet you guys on the trips that we do together and in in-person events that we do this is a very very special group that is hanging out having a conversation like this um the rest of the world is is they're not all like us and i know you know that um, but I have been, I mean, that woman that I was using as that I and my team were using as an example, she's in the spiritual industry. I mean, she was a very well regarded and I have, I have not heard, I don't, I don't ever hear her name anymore. Um, that doesn't mean she's not out there. She probably still is, but even in a field of spirituality and consciousness, there are some maybe wannabes that are acting as if they're more talented than they are. Um, they may not have the integrity, they may not have the authenticity, they may have some other sort of energetic systems that are flawed in their life. So they're um, in some ways unable to be the, the best in their field because of how they are choosing to live their life um, in other facets of their life. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's an arc, right? There's a story that develops when you really get to know somebody and how they live their life. And, and you get, we each get to decide personally what matters to us, right? And, and what's a, a deal breaker or a deal maker. Um, be choosy, be opinionated. Let, let, again, there's your authority. We're wanting you to decide. And for the people that you would hire them over and over and over again, that says a lot about uh, them and you, right? What your standards are, why you keep going back to them, why they're the go-to person, um, why you recommend them to other people. Um, that, that's great, right? It is wonderful when the cream of the crop is easy to identify. And, and that's not always the case, right? But there's still no guarantees. There are still no guarantees. <sighs> Darn it, <laughs> right? Um, but duh. <laughs> Okay. All right. Let me just relax my shoulders right here. Yeah. Wow. Talk about a recalibration. Ooh. Okay. I can't believe that we've been talking this long either. That's interesting. Okay. And what the heck am I going to call this one? <laughs> um, all right. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just going further down this, uh, this pathway of, you know, uh, being honest with ourselves that there's not one right answer. And that even when we feel like we have the right answer, it can change over time. I mean, think of the, oh yeah. Part of that pretending and the, the money we invest in the time we invest in things also when somebody says they have the answer, um, it's so easy to get disappointed with the closer, the sooner we realize when we begin to realize, oh my God, they don't have the answer. Like, oh shoot, right? Whether it's a political candidate or somebody trying to solve global warming, um, scientist, I mean, research group trying to cure cancer, right? The huge problems that we have in the world right now, the reason we don't have solutions for those huge problems, there isn't a solution. We're going to have to create it if there is one. And how do you create a solution where there isn't one? Trial and error. So what is it about humanity and about our uh, leadership structures, our experts that that treat us at, like children as if no, 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 we're gonna we're gonna definitely cure cancer by the year 20, uh, 2040. Nobody worry, it's gonna be okay, right? Like patting us on the heads as children. Think of all the forecasts like that that have come and gone, and we still have cancer. Maybe the reason that we can't that we haven't cured cancer is because it's unfixable. Right? That that's frightening to some. But to me, it's realistic. I, as Jill, am not a, is, I'm not afraid of that truth. Nobody is getting out of here alive anyway. And that doesn't mean I like cancer. And it doesn't mean I like death. Um, but I think I do have a different personality in terms of uh, the, that it feels better to me to be honest than to pretend a lie is true for a false sense of security or a false sense of hope. I don't, I don't feel like I need false hope to be hopeful. I want, I want real hope, right? Um, do I have hope in the amazing scientists across the globe that are trying to cure cancer? I think those are brilliant people. And I think cancer is a very, very tricky problem. And that even if there were um, a cure for it, there would be another form of it when you and I'm not a scientist. But when you based on my understanding of what cancer is, and the adaptability of the human form, even if we did have it solved, there'd probably be another like the flu virus, there'd probably be another version that would pop up um, that would come up. So I'm not, I'm not acting as if the human race um, can exist in a way that where we can have a version of the human race and a version of earthly reality that doesn't have cancer. I, I don't, I don't think that's true, as Jill, that that's possible. So does that make me negative? I, that's up to you. I'm not a negative person. I don't know myself as a negative person. I know myself as a super pragmatic person, though. Um, and a realistic, right? And also idealistic. I'm a weird, I'm a weird combination, probably like you are too. Um, but this is Earth is much more complex than we give ourselves credit. Cancer is very complex, as any of the scientists will tell you that work on it, right? Um, I mean, hunger, I mean, war, peace, all of these things are just, these are huge problems. And I am annoyed as human Jill, when there are professionals or experts or political leaders that are, that are saying that, that we can fix those things. I don't believe them. I think they're wrong. 
And I don't know if they're lying to themselves or if they're lying to us, but there is a lie involved, whether they're aware of it or not. Um, there's also a lot of irony in all of it, right? So some of the some of the most peace-oriented people I know do not have peace in their households. They don't have peace with blood family relatives. And it, and I, I, you know, I don't mean to be flippant here, but it is ironic, isn't it, that somebody, maybe if they're a family of four people, right, in their birth family, that they have one sibling and then their two parents, if those four people can't get along, what, literally, what is it within their energy field that has them imagining a world where 7 billion people, if that number is even correct, can get along. Right? I just, I mean, if you really look at it, like, no. And then some would, some, some it's like they, they've, there's such a, um, there's such a belief that we can have world peace that, that when I mention peace in a family, it's like, no, 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 that's not the same thing. Oh, it, it very much is the same thing. If you can't have if, if a family can't have peace in a family of four, right, then I'm, I, I'm pretty confident we're not going to get world peace. Now, and some are really, there's the part of you, some of you probably in your second chakra are like, oh, I can't handle it, right? Yeah, you can. <laughs> you handle it every day, right? And I don't think you need to handle it based on lying to yourself or, or fantasy or illusion about pretending the world is something that it isn't or pretending that the world is going to get to a level of itself that then you'll be comfortable living in. I don't... <laughs> right? There's another way to do this, which is, um, which is more my way. And that may work for you where it's just like, it's like, okay, world peace is not coming anytime soon. Not in my lifetime, not in my children's lifetime, not in my, they may never come in no lifetime. Will there be peace on earth? Okay. Okay. That sucks. But you know what? It actually makes sense. <laughs> it actually makes sense. So, okay. So I'm not counting on world peace. Um, so what's the best we can do, <laughs> right? What's the best we can do if there's not world peace? What's the best with our health we can do if there's no guarantee of not getting cancer, right? Because a lot of cancers are unpreventable. And I shared this with, with, a, with a close friend recently, and I, I just saw her, her beautiful face just kind of fall when I said this. But but it's true. And I actually, I actually, I, I was like, am I, am I wrong about that? So last weekend, I looked it up and, and there is actual, I mean, like, epidemiologists that have actually confirmed this, any human that lives long enough is going to get cancer. If you live long enough as your human, cancer is like a guarantee. Yeah. <sighs> Damn, right? That puts a new light on things, especially if you're in the law of attraction sort of crowd um, that was pretending that if you just did the right things, then you never get cancer. Yeah. It may also uh, help inform some of you that have an objective of wanting to live a really long time. Um, I don't want to live a really long time. <laughs> I want to live a normal lifespan and I, and I hope I die of something that's, that's quick and less painful. Um, and that I'm prepared energetically as my human alive Jill for the afterlife experience that we talked about in the Boise workshop and um, in the Afterlife Revealed series, right? So yeah, I, I'm very pragmatic and yet super out there in terms of how I do things and that's how I make decisions and that's how I manage the risk that, that we all face of being here in, in this world. 
yeah. Anyway, I'm curious about your guys' questions. So for those of you that are live, <laughs> I think I have about another five minutes if you want to pipe in. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, very good. Uh, hey, Sheila, she's saying many times I go about looking for an expert before I trust my innate knowledge, I have wasted many dollars on that in the past. Oh, Sheila. Yeah, thank you for mentioning that. Me too. Me too. Yeah. And isn't that 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 pattern though, right? Because I, I'm just kind of I'm like, what other, not embarrassing, but what other what other silly things have I spent money on that at the end of the, that after it, I was like, well, that was kind of dumb, <laughs> right? I have another example. Um, when I was in I don't even remember. Maybe my team will help me remember how it came about. But when I was in college, um, I wanted to go to law school after undergrad and law school is expensive. My parents, um, I was going to the local university, as some of you know, because it, it's good, number one, and it's affordable. And it was really affordable because I was able to live at home while I did my bachelor's program, bachelor's degree. Um, but then when I wanted to go to law school, there was like, oh shit, that's gonna be expensive. My parents did not save for uh, my college education. My oldest sister didn't go to college and my middle sister went to college, but she did it at the local university too, where it was affordable. So I knew like I was going to have to pay for law school and uh, I wasn't really into school loans and I'm still not. I'd rather do something that I can afford. Um, and not have to do, especially now with the student loan program. Oh my God. Um, anyway, so I was trying to be practical and somebody said something about modeling and I am 5'10". Um, so the height was there. I'm, I'm not the, I wouldn't be the ugliest model out there, right? Um, but I was sort of like, oh, that, that could work. Maybe, maybe I'll think about doing some modeling on the side or in the summer. And then, you know, the, of all the things I could think of to do at 20, that would maybe have the most uh, reward system of like, wow, that could actually make a lot of money. That was my best bet. Um, that was okay to me, right? Anyway, <laughs> I'm just thinking, because I could have been a stripper, like, no. And so there are things that I, that, yeah, there were probably possible choices in the realm of choices that I would never, for me, I would never do and didn't even come up as a, as a anyway, just be an extreme there. Okay, so it was modeling. And then I was like, okay, how, what do I do to become a model? So I found an expert. Um, there were two local modeling agencies in my area. And I went to visit with one and I got a really heebie-jeebie vibe from her. I did not like her. Um, so I, I was like, okay, I'm out. <laughs> and then another one I went to, she was the only other one in town. I felt like I needed her if I was going to do any, make any money in modeling. Um, so I, I hired them and I didn't do the same research. I didn't get a heebie-jeebie vibe. Um, but it was, it, I mean, it, it didn't end up in a modeling career. That's for sure. And what did happen though was I probably invested in total at least $3,000. I went to a modeling and talent agency convention in LA. Um, and so our agency, my agency from Boise, Idaho was there with the models that were going there. That's expensive. There were classes involved um, that of course they offered and those were expensive. So that's where it gets up in the, the dollar amount. And then when I was at the, it was the MTA, uh, Modeling and Talenting, Talenting is Modeling and Talent, association or whatever. It was in LA. Um, this was probably, when was that? Like 1989, maybe 1990. 
um, I realized that I didn't have to be an agent. I didn't have to be with an agent to go down there. So it's basically a whole bunch of go sees and there's booths all over in this convention hall. And I got great responses. I was so happy. Um, I had like six different modeling agencies, uh, most of them in LA, but some from New York. And I think some in Chicago that were thinking of me for print ads and commercials and even acting and some other things. Um, and so that went really well. And what, and then they said, do you have an agent? And it clicked with me then like, oh shit, like I didn't even have to do that. Now, did the modeling agency prepare me more to get those um, callbacks and the ability to get those contracts? Yeah, probably. Uh, maybe not though. If, they've, if they're a good agency, they would have seen my potential whether I was prepared or not. Um, just like the local agency did. They can, they can train you to do whatever they need you to do. They did, you did, wouldn't need to pay for it really, but I didn't know that. Um, the other sad thing that I figured out <laughs> after the whole process, which was probably about a year, is that even with the agent, well, I don't know why we're talking about this, because it matters, because some are spending money on things like that, so we're still talking about it. Um, there's a lot of money spent on modeling and talent uh, agencies that are not agents, they're, they're coaches that are pretending they can get you results that, that they can't guarantee you, right? So there's a lot of lost money. There's a huge fraud industry with wannabe models and wannabe actors. That's why we're talking about it, I guess. Um, anyway, so what I found out after the fact, after I had the, the agencies that were like, we totally, we totally want you on um, with our agency, is that they expected me, and I don't know why I was really naive. I didn't know how it worked. It was on me to move to LA, spend my days doing go sees. Yes, I had their connections being with their agency, um, but I was... I, I thought it was like a job and they would hire me to be on fee, but it was, there wasn't like that at all. So I was like, well, how the hell am I going to move to LA, live in LA? It's super expensive there. And it even was then. And then how am I going to come back and go to law school? How is this going to work? And then I had people from the local agency that did chase that dream and they were living in their cars and stuff and, and talking to them, they weren't getting the jobs that they that they thought they would, right? And they realized how competitive it was. It wasn't at all what they imagined um, or what they dreamed it would be. And they, I don't know what ended up happening to them, but the, as I got closer to that system, I was like, oh God, no, <laughs> there's no way I'm doing that. Um, yeah, so I just worked harder at school and got internships and I didn't go to law school. And I probably would have had I had the money to do so. But anyway, I didn't have the money I wanted to invest in law school and I didn't want to take out loans. So I didn't even do the LSAT. I worked my ass off in college, which I was doing already. I got unpaid internships. And my goal then was to get the best job out of college so that I could have the career that I wanted and the income that I wanted. Um, yeah, that's what I did. Anyway, so did I waste money on the modeling agency? Yes, in terms of that. But I, I do know how to, I, I did, I, I learned a lot about how to look my best as Jill from that system that I wouldn't have otherwise. But was it worth thousands of dollars? No. <laughs> Find a good, uh, a good stylist to, to get your shit together. <laughs> that would be a lot cheaper in maybe one session. <laughs> okay, very good. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, the silly stories we tell that, that somehow some people say, I'm so glad you told that story. Okay. Hi, Suzanne. She's saying, thank you, Jill, for this message today. Agree with you on all of it. Resonates very deeply within me. Oh, good. Okay. Hi, Suzanne. Uh, oh, again, same Suzanne. Let's see. Yep. 
Okay. Uh, she's saying, I've been through all of this and sometimes have handled it well because of all the research or caution because of my financial situation. I have had to be very selective about who to follow or do more with and the rest I have listened, read, observed and used my own guidance on by giving things time and seeing which stood the test of time, so to speak, and felt true after all else uh, fell away. Nice job. Oh, very good. Okay, let me get a drink of water here and then I think we're about to wrap up. I have to I have to take off in a minute. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Hi, Diane. She's saying my parents are very healthy and active at 92 and 87, but did not follow conventional medicine and were active and lived more alternately, alternatively, alternatively. I'm not so sure about inevitable cancer. And that, that's okay. That's, um, I was told that was true by a credible source. It was actually my dad's oncologist. Um, my dad had the prostate cancer and now he's cancer free. Knock, knock, knock on wood. <laughs> There's no wood near me. <laughs> click, click, click. Um, and his doctor said, well, you, you know, you're at that age. And, um, and then my dad told me, and I was like, what? I had never heard that before. And I was like, actually, that does make sense. And then I think I heard it from somebody else that I trusted as a medical professional. And then I said it out loud, like I said at a, at a, with some friends a couple weeks ago. And I, I still remember her face just like, and like, well, that, like, well, that sucks, right? I just felt her whole energy field just like, oh no. Um, and then I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said it. Maybe, I don't know. Anyway, um, and then for some reason I felt as Jill, like, am I, oh, there's the integrity I'm about to demonstrate. Am I wrong? Like, you know, is that correct? Do I still believe that that's correct? What if, what if my friend whose, whose heart seemed to, to feel sad when I said it, what if she's right and that it's not true? So I did actually this recent weekend, interesting left, look at, you know, that I basically Googled, um, will everyone eventually get cancer if they live long enough? I'd like to do long Google searches. And there were different data points that came up and there's a Guardian article. I'll actually include the link um, with this because it was pretty fascinating about this, this expert in this field. Does that mean he's right? My, my sense is with my radar is that if anyone knows better whether this is true, it would be this guy that did the study and that is involved in that field. So I believe him and I believe it. Um, and that doesn't mean that you have to believe it, right? You can believe what you want to believe. But I am, but <laughs> there's a but, but I am bothered by in, in the world of law of attraction and spirituality and consciousness and, you know, being positive and that your thoughts create your reality in that bubble, I'm highly bothered by the instances of individuals that are in that world that get cancer that then blame themselves because their, their, their belief system was if I do all the right things, then I won't get cancer and that you can be cancer proof through positive thinking, through eating healthy, through living healthy, etc. There's a lot of super healthy people that are like the poster child for health that dropped dead, right? Maybe not from cancer, maybe from something else. Um, so it's, I just don't, yeah, there's that gear, you know, that, that sense of, well, I want to be cancer proof. I want to be cancer free. I want to be disease free. I don't, I don't think that's possible. 
Yeah. Okay. No, yeah, Suzanne is saying cancer is epigenetic and environmental and nothing to do with age. It's not that it's about age, Suzanne. Like I said, I'll put in the link. I, I believe the article. Um, and it's not about what's causing it. It's the cell replication and the level of risk in the, in the cell development and cell replication process, the normal process of, of cells dividing and all these things, that if you live long enough that there's going to be a mistake in the division, which is part of what cancer is. So... I don't know. So I don't, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't think if you have the right epigenetics and the right environmental that you can be cancer proof. I just, I just don't. But I, I, if some of you are fighting for, for your truth, I, you don't need to fight me on it. I'm not going to argue with you about it, but I will be firm in what I believe and I'll offer that. Um, and what I, I, I tend to think things through on a really detailed level. So do I, do I get things wrong? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm right a lot of the times, so. though. <laughs> okay, very good. Okay. Oh, yeah, Diane, uh, you, mm. <laughs> now we're getting into vaccines. Oh, God. Yeah, I gotta go. I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, I really don't have time to talk about vaccines. But I'm not in the either bandwagon for sure. I'm not in the bandwagon that vaccines are, are the death of humanity and that they should be avoided at all costs. I'm not in that group. And I'm also not in the group that feels like vaccines are 100% healthy and everybody should get them and they're the best thing ever and they don't cause any problems. I am not in either one of those. And I prefer with anything that's super polarized and super divisive like that, I think that is uh, people pretending they know more than they know and not giving enough credit to what if they're wrong on either side, by the way. Yeah, so I'm in the middle going, I don't think we know. I don't think we know. And I think that some of the reasons on both sides are, are a little uh, suspect on either sides of those, those camps. So, okay. I love you guys. <laughs> and it's okay if you don't believe with me. <laughs> believe in me, by the way, at the, whether it's cancer or anything else. I, I don't need you to agree with me in order for me to know <laughs> what I'm doing and where I'm offering value in the world and, or even just to validate my own beliefs. Um, yeah. It's <laughs> kind of a weird ending. Anyway, I guess I'm modeling it though. Okay, there we go. I love you guys so much. Thank you for today. Thank you for hanging out with me. If you like this, thank you for hitting like and thank you for commenting and sharing and all those things. It does help with the algorithms. We have amazing trips coming up. Um, we've got Greece. We've got the Zion retreat. We've got Egypt um, coming up in January 2020. We'll have another workshop in Boise next year. Um, the recordings from the Boise workshop from a few weeks ago are still available. We went into a lot of powerful topics, such as the power of grace as compared to the power of effort and doing things the right way, and uh, much more detail about how to actually get through the afterlife um, that blew my mind and is very different than I think all of the other information that's on the planet. But I, I don't know what all the other information is on the planet. I but I love what came through and it, it totally feels true to me. And of course, there's no way of proving it, right? Yeah. <sighs> yeah, esoterics. <laughs> I love you guys. Bye-bye for now. Mwah.